Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Ezekiel, that you may know the Lord. I'll be going over Unit 8, Lessons 1 and 2. Our groups are going to cover all of Unit 8 in a one-hour setting, so I am keeping my um, guide to Lesson 1 and 2 brief. There is a lot of reading and history and highlighting in these two lessons, so they can go fairly quickly, but I also am um, managing it to move it along because of how our groups are handling it. So I'm on page 160, and again, we're in Unit 8, which is entitled Foreign Policies, and that's just really good to think about. You know, God is in charge of foreign policies, and he is sovereign over all nations. And Israel is the most important nation in his uh, overall foreign policy situation. In the middle of page 160, the first exercise says, We will move quickly through Ezekiel 25, observing the nations that the Lord moves Ezekiel to speak against, and the reasons for judgment against them. We're not going to go over the highlighting except to ask for ask for one lady to name the four different nations. Well, don't say four because she may give some other names. And so, But what are the nations that are named here? Because that should be highlighted in one color. So in your highlighting, what are the nations that are named here? We have Ammon. If they said the Ammonites, that's fine. If they say Rabbah, that's um, Rabbah and Ammon. Rabbah is a city in the area, nation of Ammon. So that's that one, the first one. Moab and Seir are together. And um, then there's some cities that are named there in Moab, which they may or may not say. So, But there's Moab and Seir in verse 8. In verse 12, Edom. And then uh, Teman and Dedan are... Teman is definitely a city in Edom. I didn't look it up, but I thought Dedan was a, more of a nation. But maybe it's a city in Edom. And then verse 15, um, the Philistines, Philistia. And I didn't look up the Carathites at all. Um, so Anyway, we're just looking at the... There are several nations named in this first chapter, 25. Next question, what would you say is the general reason that the Lord will judge these nations? So this has given us a summary from what they looked at in their highlighting. And you um, can just ask that question. Their um, ladies may want to add to each other's answers. I have the general reason. Because these nations were against Israel and they had disdain and mocking and vengeance towards them. They rejoiced in the devastation of Israel. So, uh, but just very generally, they were all, they were all against Israel. Next, oh, leaders, just um, because we're moving through, not rushing, but you want to move through, definitely want to move through this first lesson and not get hung up anywhere. 
You just answer this next question. What principle does the Lord establish for himself according to the following verses? We looked at Genesis 12, 3, which says, He blesses those who bless you, and he's talking to Abraham, and he curses those who curse you, So, um, and that carries through to Israel. So the Lord blesses those who bless Israel. He curses those who curse Israel. And in Exodus 23, 22, if Israel obeys the Lord's voice, he will be an enemy to their enemies. So the Lord has set himself up this way. That's what this question says. The Lord established this principle, this foreign policy himself that he would do. Now, in this next question at the bottom of page 161, this is a good place to go around the circle just to move the ladies, not have much of a pause in between our discussion. And um, please tell us what will happen to each of the nations that are listed below. What will happen to Ammon? They will be delivered as a possession to the men of the east. That's Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. They will set their camps and dwellings in Ammon. They will eat your fruit and drink your milk. Rabbah will be a stable for camels, and Ammon will be a resting place for flocks. What will happen to Moab? It will be cleared of cities, cleared of cities on the frontier, cleared of all its glory. The cities were its glory. It will be given as possession to men of the east. The Lord will execute his judgments on Moab. You don't need to spend a lot of time on these things. Page 162, what will the Lord do to Edom? His hand will be stretched out. He will cut off men and beast. That's killing them. The land will be desolate. Dedan will fall by the sword. And this was interesting note made that vengeance in Edom, the Lord's vengeance against Edom, will be carried out by the hand of Israel. And then Next, Philistia. What is the Lord's judgment against Philistia? He will cut them off, destroy the remnant. He will execute his vengeance on them. We really are just getting the highlights of things now. Skip to the next page at the top of page 163. The last sentence of the first paragraph says, The Lord first judged his own people for their rebellion against him. Then he judged the pagan Gentile nations for their rejection of his people and his deity. And we're going to continue to see this in the next chapters. So that we've just done Ezekiel chapter 25. Look how fast we went. Now we're in Ezekiel chapter 26. And we're looking at the Lord's judgment on Tyre. T-Y-R-E. So what was the reason for the Lord's judgment on Tyre? And what will be the ultimate result? From verse 2... It's because Tyre said against Jerusalem, Aha, she's broken. She, now she's turned over to me. I will be filled. She is laid waste. And what's the result? From verses 3 through 6, Many nations will come against Tyre, break her down. Tyre will become a place for spreading nets, a plunder for nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. Uh, so you can just open that question up. You don't have to go around the circle unless that's working for you and your group and they want to um, because these are very much just quoting what the verses say. So maybe go around the circle. Keep things moving until we get to a more general discussion.
discussion question. You were to read Ezekiel 26, 7 through 14 in this passage. How will the Lord's judgments be carried out on Tyre? He will bring Nebuchadnezzar against Tyre, who will slay with the sword the villages, heap up a siege mound against the um, nation city of Tyre, breach the gates with his horses and soldiers, trample the streets, slay with the sword, plunder the city, tear it all down, in the midst of the water, put an end to the songs, and it will never be rebuilt. At this point in your lesson, you haven't read about Tyre, but and it's not an island, but it was kind of like an island that had a or a, a peninsula, more than just a bridge going out to it. So when it describes uh, breaching the gates, Nebuchadnezzar's army has broken through to get out there, and then when it says, what did it say? In the midst of the water. Tear it all down. In the midst of the water. It's like this peninsula and island area out there that thought that it was impenetrable because it was out in the water. It was, yeah, it was out in the water. An end will come. What do you learn about the culture of Tyre from verses 12 and 13? They were rich. They had a lot of merchandise. They were traders. They had walls around their city and pleasant houses, lifestyles of the rich and famous going on out there. Lots of songs with harps. So they're wealthy, prosperous, and festive. According to Ezekiel 26, 15 through 18, what kind of reaction would observers have regarding the destruction of Tyre? Coastlands would shake at the sound of their fall. Princes of the sea would mourn. Um, and remove their fancy clothes in their lamentation mourning over the fall of Tyre. They would be astonished. Can't believe it happened. They would take up a lament. They would be shocked and lamenting of the fall and the end of this renowned city, which had been so strong at sea. So this is just a shocking thing that has happened. In Ezekiel 26, 19 through 21, what were the consequences to the nation of Tyre as a result of its pride and evil attitude toward Israel? It would become a desolate city, like a city not inhabited. Deep waters would be brought upon it, or the deep brought upon it. That's waters. Um, it would bring down... They would be brought down with those who descend to the pit and never inhabited again. Right, That may leave you with some questions, but when we skip the next two pages, we're still going to be talking about Tyre. So hold that thought. Go directly to the top of page 167, where we're going to be picking up in Ezekiel chapter 27. We're actually in the next lesson now. So at the top of page 167, we're in Ezekiel 20. We have just read through and highlighted Ezekiel 27, which is interesting and descriptive. It's a lament over Tyre, and you saw how Tyre was likened to being a ship because they were this island and because they had all this trading going on. <laughs> so we're asking the question, and just ask at the top of page 167, according to Ezekiel 27, 25, how is Tyre described? Um... Lots of merchandise, trading merchandise. It's filled and very glorious in the midst of the seas. 
ask, according to Ezekiel 27, 26, what happened to Tyre. So we've looked at this lament. According to this lament, what happened? It was brought into many waters, but the east wind broke you in the midst of the seas. I was going to look at that again and can't tell what the verse number is in this uh, paraphrase that, from the message that I gave you. Um, so I'll just, um, that brought into many waters, that confused me. So a lot of nations came against Tyre, but the east wind, Nebuchadnezzar, broke you in the midst of the seas. And I made that note in the italics. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was used to carry out his judgment on Israel and the Lord's judgment on Tyre. Well, now we're still considering this situation with Tyre, and we have another proclamation. And this is coming upon the ruler of Tyre. You were to read Ezekiel 28, 1 through 10, and look for who and why and what. So open these up. The, just, just open it up to the group. Who was this proclamation spoken against? According to 28.1, it's the prince of Tyre. Why was this spoken against him? Because his heart was lifted up and he said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas. So he has got a lot of pride. And what would this was the proclamation? What would happen? According to verse 6 and more, um, therefore, God will bring strangers among them, this place Tyre, the most terrible of nations, their swords would come against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They will die in the midst of the seas and die the death of the uncircumcised. I said they, and it does happen to all of Tyre, but this is specifically to this ruler, this prince. So Nebuchadnezzar's coming against him and his nation. He the prince of Tyre would be defiled and he will die. And so that's what we're emphasizing at the bottom of page 167. So I've drawn a line across my um, notes and things in the middle um, of 167 there at the bottom. Like skip that and just ask the question. According to Ezekiel 28, 9 and 10, how did the Lord plan to give the prince understanding of his humanity? Um, so hopefully that has come up when you answered the what in the middle of the page, that this ruler would die the death of the uncircumcised. And that's what we're reiterating or emphasizing going over the details of here at the bottom of the page. So the prince would understand he is just a man because he's going to die. He would die. He would die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. It's kind of like, Look, man, you're going to die. You're going to get killed and die. It's like he's just repeating death as much as he can. He would be slain. You will die the death of the uncircumcised. So, and that was, um, I guess that was um, an insult to be told he would die the death of the uncircumcised. Now, just turn the page because we're in this mindset. 
First sentence at the top of page 168. Arrogant rulers are held accountable before the Lord. And that's a major point that needs to be um, recognized. It's part of the storyline that's going on in Ezekiel here. But as you can see under the Acts verse, the application to our own lives is easy to grasp. All we have to remember is it's not about me. Are you a prideful person? Have you placed yourself on the throne of your life? Are you taking credit for help and home and happiness? So this question is a check for every one of us. And um, that is how I responded. Like, oh, dear God, I do want you to check my pride. Remind me. And this doesn't just remind me, but it prompts me to thank God for what he has given me and how he has blessed me and and I've prayed that he will keep me humble. All right, now we're getting to a um, more uh, perhaps intriguing part of chapter 28, depending on whether they've had any um, exposure to this before. So just read the paragraph in the middle of page 168. We have just looked at the proclamation against the prince of Tyre in verses 1 through 10. The next section in chapter 28 is a lamentation addressed to the king of Tyre, a figure who may be different from the prince referred to in Ezekiel 28.1. Okay, first of all, just remember, we've seen that the humanity of the prince was highlighted. He's just a man. He's going to die the death and just He's just going to die. But there are descriptions given of the king of Tyre that seem to indicate that he was more than a human ruler. And this passage could possibly be a description of Satan. So we are seeing a difference of description of this ruler as we get into this particular passage. And just as a reminder to you leaders, my lecture that will come on the day that y'all are talking about these lessons, my lecture is about Satan. So you don't have to figure everything out about Satan. This could stir up some questions and things. And we don't have all the answers about Satan. But we know what God wants us to know. So it will be thorough in that way. My lecture. Back to Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. According to verses 12 through 14. What words or phrases describe the greatness of this king? So from verse 12, he's called a king. And he's also called the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Keep in mind that wisdom is knowing things and doing, acting appropriately and acting in that wise way. So it's got good actions. And then Satan twists it all and eventually acts terribly and wickedly. Um, Verse 13, it's the greatness of the king. Every precious stone was his covering. And then it says the workmanship. And I don't, I only looked at my New King James Version when I answered this question. But this phrase, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. That is said differently in different versions. And it is... um, (laughs) interpreted differently by different people as well. 
So we don't know exactly what's going on there. In verse 14, he was called the anointed cherub and on the holy mountain of God. Now, where have we seen cherubs? Cherubim in the vision of the glory of God. This is one of God's holy created angels who worshiped him and guarded his holiness. So he was the anointed. Anointed means chosen. Cherub. This this one, that's an extremely special title, uh, calling, position, responsibility, all of that. He was on the holy mountain of God. Next question. According to Ezekiel 28, 15 through 17, what were the sins of this king? Verse 15, iniquity was found in him. Verse 16, he was filled with violence within. He sinned. And um, I have the word profane. He was profane. Verse 17, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty and he corrupted wisdom. So here we see this this twist of what was so good, full of wisdom, doing the right thing, and now it's corrupted, twisted, skewed, which makes him a schemer, um, very clever and cunning in the worst wicked way. According to Ezekiel 28, 18 and 19, what was the Lord's response to the pride of this king? He brought fire from his midst and it devoured him. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> he turned him to ashes on the earth. And verse 19, all were astonished at him. And the Lord made him a horror. And he shall be no more forever. We know that day is to come. So the ultimate sin in this king was his attitude that he had become like God. And um, if you need to pause and ask, ask some questions, you could. But you can see we've gone nowhere else. We have no other cross-references. And we're not, um, not spending a lot of time in the workbook on this, which is one of the reasons my lecture's on Satan. So I would try not to, try really hard not to get hung up here with questions because you don't have any of the background to go to. And we've got a lot more to, to cover in our lesson. So in the middle of page 169, the next passage that we will look at in Ezekiel 28 is a fitting conclusion to our study today. The result of all the judgments of the Lord is made absolutely clear. So in Ezekiel 28, 20 through 24, the Lord declares that he's bringing judgment against the nation of Sidon in this passage. What will happen as a result? So I have got results of what's going to happen to Sidon and then kind of a big summary result. Verse 22, against Sidon, God will be glorified in her midst and they will know that he is the Lord. Verse 23, the Lord will send pestilence upon Sidon. There will be blood in her streets. The wounded would be judged. The sword would be against her on every side. So that's specifically against Sidon. And then... Verse 24 is the big result, the summary, after all these judgments on all these nations that have been in um, chapters 25, 26, 27, 28. Um, 
all those chapters really are. The ones we named to begin with plus Tyre plus Sidon. Okay, what's the big result? There shall be no longer a pricking briar or painful thorn for the house of Israel from among them that are around her. The nations around Israel will not be harassing her like they were then. So um, there's a different situation going on right now with Israel. There is not a king of Israel. And when there is, when Jesus reigns, the nations are not going to harass her. But if we look at the history of Israel when it was um, a nation in and of itself and think about the, the Greek rule over it, the Roman rule over it, it the, there was not a harassment against the nation of against this territory and people of Israel from those around her as there were during this Old Testament time that we've been in before the destruction that began 588 BC. All right, well, that is it um, for the moment for these first two lessons, and I'm going to put my discussion and guide for lesson three and four in a second audio prep. But don't forget, we're not done yet. Thanks. Bye. Bye.